0: Hey guys, thanks for listening to this message from Soli church. Our prayer is that this message would be a blessing and resource for you, but no sermon or podcast can ever take the place of being connected to a local church. If you're in or around the Ventura County area, we would love for you to join us. You can find when and where we are meeting by visiting solely S O L I church.com rest in Jesus Christian. As you remain standing, you can turn in your Bibles to Luke chapter 2, Luke chapter 2. As we continue uh, in our Advent Christmas series through the Gospel of Luke, the first two chapters. Maybe one of the more familiar passages in God's Word, but may it have fresh light today. Today. Now it happened in those days that a decree went out from Caesar Augustus for a census to be taken of all the inhabited earth. This was the first census taken while Quirinius was governor of Syria, and everyone was going to be registered for the census, each to his own city. And Joseph also went up from Galilee, from the city of Nazareth to Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem because he was of the house and family of David, in order to register along with Mary, who was betrothed to him and was with child. Now it happened that while they were there, the days were fulfilled for her to give birth, and she gave birth to her firstborn son, and she wrapped him in cloths and laid him in a manger, because there was no place for them in the guest room. In the same region, there were shepherds staying out in the fields and keeping watch over their flock. By night and an angel of the Lord stood before them and the glory of the Lord shone around them and they were terribly frightened." But the angel said to them, do not be afraid, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy, which will be for all the people. For today in the city of David there has been born for you a Savior who is Christ the Lord. And this will be the sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. And suddenly there appeared with the angel a multitude of the heavenly hosts, praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest and on earth, peace among men with whom he is pleased. And it happened that when the angels had gone away from them into heaven, the shepherds began saying to one another, let us go to Bethlehem then and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. So they went in a hurry and found their way to Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in the manger. And when they had seen this, they made known the statement which had been told them about this child. And all who heard it marveled at the things which were told them by the shepherds. But Mary, treasuring all these things, pondering them in her heart, and the shepherds went back glorifying and praising God for all that they had heard and seen just as was told them. That's the word of the Lord. You may be seated. Let's pray together. Our God in heaven, as we come to the word and scripture aided on this Lord's day, it is so we might come to the word incarnate. And as we come to the word incarnate today, it is so that we might have life in the place of death. So we come to the word incarnate today it is so that we might have light in the place of darkness. So we come to the word incarnate today, it is so that we might have joy in the place of sorrow. So we come to the word incarnate today, it is so we might have hope in the face of Of despair. So we come to the word incarnate today, it is so we might have salvation in the place of condemnation. So today we pray that through this word, the word incarnate, the word that began in the womb of the Virgin, birthed into the manger, walked among us. Walked all the way up to the cross on Good Friday. Laid in swaddling cloths in a tomb. Raised from the dead on the third day. Walking out and with him new creation. May we taste even today and see that the Lord is good. And his goodness comes to us today through the means that you've given to us. May Christ be in my mouth today, O Lord. And may faith come from hearing, hearing the voice of Christ. In Jesus' name we pray, and amen. Throughout this Advent and Christmas season, we have been aching our way to the dawn of redeeming grace. And last Lord's Day, Pastor John left us off with this anticipation in chapter 1 verses 77, 78, and 79. Because of the tender mercy of our God with which the sunrise from on high will visit us to shine upon those who sit in darkness and the shadow of Death, And so this morning we arrive at that place where the sunrise is breaking the dawn. But it is not in the way that we thought it would come. We see, we thought that the sunrise would break the dawn at dawn, but it's not in the way that it happens here. Here in our passage, the sunrise breaks the dawn in the dead of night. Look at verse 8. In the same region, there were shepherds staying out in the fields, keeping watch over their flock at night. The new light breaks in, not in the day, but it breaks into the middle of the night. And the sunrise from on high is not the sun that rises in the morning, but rather it is the divine glory of heaven that breaks in. Look at verse 9. And an angel of the Lord stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them. And as that glory breaks in, in the middle of the night, that same glory light that broke in on the first day of creation when God said, let there be light, here dawns a new day in the middle of the night, out with the shepherds and the heavenly hosts come, and they sing solely, deo gloria. No, not about us but about the glory of God alone, glory to God in the highest, and on earth, peace among those with whom he is pleased. The long awaited dawn breaks, but it breaks at night, and it breaks in glory, but it does not break on the religious, it does not break on the self-satisfied moral, it does not break on those of political power it does not break on the social elite, but rather the dawn of redeeming grace, the glory of God breaks in on some shepherds. Shepherds keeping watch over their flocks by night. Shepherds who may have the pedigree of Moses, who was a shepherd before he led Israel out of Egypt. Shepherds who may have the pedigree of David, the shepherd of Israel, these were his hills. The hills where the shepherds are keeping watch over their flock were the the hills that David played in when he was a child. The same hills that David was keeping sheep on when, when Samuel sought him out. These are the same hills. Shepherds fulfill, they're all a part of the Messianic prophecies. A shepherd will come and guide my people, Israel. But these shepherds are living in a different day. These shepherds are living in a day where shepherds are despised. The once vocation of being a shepherd has slid down the scale. It's a dead-end, thankless job. It's the night job. They are working at night when everyone else is tucked in asleep warm. You see, shepherds are among the lowest of the low now. Shepherds in this day were assumed to be dishonest. They were not even welcome to be witnesses in a court of law anymore because they were always having underhanded dealings. They were known as the shady people, the shepherds were. They were outcasts from polite society. They were banded with outlaws, the refuse of the world. This is how a shepherd was viewed, as someone that you couldn't trust Someone you wouldn't let in your house for fear that your socks might not be there in the morning. These are people who you did not trust. These are people on the margins, on the outside, and it is their very job to tend the very lambs for the temple sacrifice that foreshadowed the Lamb of God comes. And yet it is to these men, the shady shepherds, that the heavenly army is sent. It is to these shepherds, these undeserved dishonest men that the first public announcement of the birth of Christ comes in a blaze of divine glory. And what is even so, even more unexpected than this glory light show in the middle of the night is how everything that takes place here, everything that takes place here is made suitable to these shepherds. Everything comes down to them. Made fit for them. Prepared for them. Suitable for them. You see, the angelic host breaks into their territory. They are where they are. They don't seek out the Gospel. They don't seek out the Christ child. Heaven comes to them. They were simply keeping watch over their flocks by night. And in verse 9 it says, The angel of the Lord came and stood before them. The glory of the Lord shone around these cats and nowhere else. These dudes and nowhere else, and nobody else gets this glory show. Nobody else gets this message. But you'll notice it is a message that seeks them out. It is a message that chases them. Think about this, for millennia, for centuries, the angels have been on tiptoe, knowing that there would come a day when they would be sent from heaven for this very moment. They had been in heaven memorizing their lines. Glory be to God in the highest and on earth. Peace among men with whom he is pleased. You better get that right. You better get right. This is their moment. They've been waiting and waiting and waiting. And the armies of the angelic hosts line up. And the angel of the Lord stands in front of them. And they're on tiptoe. And they're on tiptoe. And God's about ready to say, go. And where are they thinking? Maybe a temple. No. Maybe a palace. No. See that little hill over there? See that little hill over there with those shady guys over there? Go tell them. Go break in on their world. Go and seek them out. Go show to these undeserving men the glory of God. And go tell these undeserving men that the promised peace of God is breaking into their lives. You see, church, not only does the revelation of the glory and the glory message break in on their territory, but the message from heaven that seeks them out is actually for them. Look at verse 10. It's absolutely so beautiful. Verse 10. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid, for behold, listen, I bring you. You see, shepherds, We've come for you. We've come to bring you something. We didn't come to find something in you. We didn't come to find you worthy. We didn't come to find you ready. We didn't come to find you prepared. We didn't come to find you cleaned up. We didn't come to find you even knowing it was going to happen. We are going to break, we're breaking in into your world and you are unprepared, unready, unfit, and undeserving for what's about to take place. But we've come anyways. And we have come specifically for you. I bring you good news of great joy. The first people that hear that there is going to be good news that will lead to a transcendent joy that explodes all circumstances are these shepherds. And not only do they hear the message, it's not just like they're within earshot of the message of good news of great joy. It's actually for them. I bring you, good news of great joy. And not only is it for you, it's for all people that are like you. Look at what it says in verse nine, uh, verse 10. It says, I bring you good news of great joy, which will be for all the people you see. Not not just for you, not just for you, but I'm beginning with you. This message is not just for you, But we're starting with you, shepherds. You see, this good news of great joy coming from heaven is seeking out and chasing down these shepherds. And it's chasing them down with the good news of great joy that's breaking into their lives that they themselves could have never found. They themselves could have never chased. They themselves would have never had. And this morning, church, listen to me. That same message, that good news of great joy is chasing you down. It is coming to you. It is seeking you. It is bringing to you right now in the midst of this very moment the good news of Jesus Christ that brings with it great joy and may the Holy Spirit open up for you The light of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ right now, so that by the Spirit of God you will behold Jesus Christ the way the shepherds are going to behold Him and find in Him your everything that you cannot find anywhere else in the world. It begins with them and it begins with us here, the good news of great joy. But it is not simply a message for them it is also a gift for them look at verse 11 for today in the city of david there has been born for you see they not only bring good news to them but the gift of jesus is for Today in the city of David, there has been born four you shepherds, a Savior. You see, in the city of shepherds, in the city of David, there's a baby born, a gift given. And the gift is given for these shepherds. That has always been the case. Church, I want you to think about this. This has always been the case. This long-promised, long-awaited, prophesied Messiah upon whom the ages have waited. Do you realize that in God's plan, in God's purposes, all of history was leading to this band of misfits all of it was so they could have a gift given to them wholly sovereignly that they could have never ever ever found or received on their own these shepherds listen to me church, these shepherds receive their identity here these shepherds receive their lives here. You see, it's so important for us to understand this because we live in a day where, where there's such confusion of identity, a confusion of who we are and who we are supposed to be. And yet, here comes the angel to these shepherds, and he's saying to them, all the way back from Adam. History has been angling itself under the providential hand of God all the way through history, angling itself for you to bring this gift to you so that your lives might find their reason for existence. And these shepherds are then taken from the outside, from this mountain, and they're enfolded in to the story of God, you see. In the uh, Christmas oratorio of W.H. Auden, called For the Time Being, he has this statement that I return to every Christmas without fail, because it's one of my favorite thoughts on the implications of Christmas. Auden said this in the midst of this very long, it's a very long poem, okay? Um, uh, It's not Homer long, but it's quarter of a Homer, okay? Um, If you've ever read Homer, it's about a quarter of a Homer, okay? But right in the middle, he says this, remembering the stable, wherefore once in our lives everything became a you, and nothing was an it. Remembering the stable where for once in our lives everything became a you and nothing was an it. You see, in our world today, we're just a bunch of its. We're just a bunch of numbers. But listen to me, church, not so in the church of Jesus Christ. In union with Jesus Christ and enfolded into the church of Jesus Christ, You are a you. You have a face. You have a place. You have a home. You have a hope. You have a life. And every week as the world tries to destroy the you and pull you into an it, every single week as you fight through the week, Of impersonal cold calculating world of math and science I'm sorry the you is gone and the it is the only thing that's left and then you come to church you come to the body of Christ and you find that once again you are a you And it happens when you're looked in your face as you come to the Lord's table and someone looks you in the eye and says, the peace of Christ be with you. Not in it, you. And your humanity is restored in the church of Jesus Christ, and you have a name, and you have a face, and you have a home, because of the babe in the manger, and because of him, you will never be an it. You will always be a you. Amen? So in the manger is exactly what a shepherd needs. What's laying in that manger that, that, that gift that is for them, that is exactly what they need. And look at what the angel says in verse 11. He says this, this is exactly what a shepherd needs. It says, for today in the city of David, there has been born for you a Savior who is Christ the Lord. You see, this is exactly what the shepherds need. What the shepherds need is they don't need a life coach. They don't need therapy because they work the night job. That's not what they need. They don't need uh, their best life now. What they need is a Savior who is the promised Messiah who also happens to be God. That's what they need. And you see, that's what's so suitable for them. What they need is what the gift is, right? If you give me a gift and, I, and it doesn't suit my life, thank you, but it's going in the closet, right? In a week, everything that happened yesterday is going in the closet, right? That's what happens. But see, this gift is not that way. We need a save yours. The shepherds needed a Savior. And that's exactly what they get. The gift that's given is a Savior who is Christ the Lord. Now this is important, church, listen. Because the world that the shepherds were living in was a weary world. The shepherds were living in a very weary world. In fact, they were living under what I would call a parody. Okay? It was a parody of peace. It was a fake peace, a false peace. And it was called this, the Pax Romana, okay? The Pax Romana. They were living under what was known as the Peace of Rome. And here, listen, if you go look at Roman inscriptions in the days of Caesar Augustus, okay? Listen closely. If you go look at Roman inscriptions in the days of Caesar Augustus this is what you're going to find okay where where Caesar Augustus brings his Pax Romana here's what you will find Caesar Augustus hail Prince of Peace hail sunrise from on high hail Son of a God. Hail, Savior through whom the new day has dawned. Hear the good news of Caesar Augustus. That's what they heard. That was what was on the walls. That's what was in the mouth of the Roman peace. The Savior had come, and he is Caesar Augustus. And he has come and he has brought with him the promised peace of a Savior and of a God. But what is true of Caesar Augustus is the way that the Pax Romana was founded and the way the Pax Romana was kept is at the end of a spear, is at the end of a sword. You see, what drove the Pax Romana was fear, fear of Caesar, fear of what Caesar and his minions might do. So the Roman Empire was locked in terror, you see, terror of the government, terror of Caesar, who on a whim could move the world, on a whim he could do that. And as a matter of fact, that's exactly what he does. Now, in the, now it happened in those days that a decree went out from Caesar Augustus for a census to be taken to the whole earth. He gets a whim that he wants to raise taxes and on his word, the entire world moves in fear that if they don't go register in the towns, the dragoons of Caesar Augustus will come for them. You see, that is why when the when the angels come in, and the glory of the Lord shines, and the shepherds are terrified, the first thing the shepherds say, the first thing the angels say to the shepherds are this: "Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid, because a different kingdom is breaking in, because a different kind of king who brings a true peace." with him. Not the peace of Caesar Augustus. Not the terror-stricken, fear-filled peace of Caesar Augustus but a different kind of savior than Caesar is, a different kind of king than Caesar is, with a different kind of kingdom than Caesar has. Caesar's is the parody, Christ's kingdom is the reality, and it's a completely different thing altogether, and I want you to see what it is. What kind of king is this new king who has come and brought the true sunrise from on high and who is the true Savior of the world. Luke goes out of his way to make sure we don't miss this. Look at verse 7 with me. Verse (coughs) 7. And she gave birth to her firstborn son, and she wrapped him in cloths, and laid him in a manger. And just in case we don't get this, drop down to verse 12. And this will be the sign for you. You will find the babe wrapped in cloths and lying. So two times in this nativity narrative, we're told by Luke that the king will be found wrapped in cloths and lying. And you see, what Luke does for us is he tells us that from the very beginning of the life of Jesus, his kingship and his kingdom is completely different than Herod's. We find this out because we look over to Luke chapter 23. Turn there. Luke chapter 23. Luke bookends his letter with this. Twice at the beginning, once at the end. At the beginning in Luke, we have a Joseph, we have a Mary, we have a Jesus, we have swaddling cloths, and we have lying. In Luke chapter 23, we have another Joseph, verse 50. And behold, a man named Joseph, who was a council member, a good and righteous man. We have another Mary, three of them, verse 55. Now the women who had come from Galilee, and we know that their names are Mary. And then we have this. And Luke writes this in the Greek in the exact same way it is in Luke 2, verse 53. And he took down the body of Jesus from the cross, wrapped it in cloths, same Greek line, and laid him in a tomb. You see, what began with Mary and Joseph wrapping Jesus in a cloth and laying him in a manger ends with another Joseph wrapping Jesus in a cloth and laying him in a tomb. You see. Because the cross begins in the crib. The shadow of the cross is already over the crib of Jesus because he's a different kind of king. He's a king that has come to lay down his life for sinners, to step into their place as a substitute for sinners and take their penalty to himself. And he's a king who comes to serve and to give his life away, you see. So what begins in the crib ends in the tomb, or we could say what begins in the crib ends in the crib. And it tells us that the whole narrative of the life of Jesus is to come and to be a substitute for his people, a different kind of king and a different kind of kingdom. But more than that, more than a message coming to the shepherds, more than a gift coming to the shepherds, more than a different kind of king, because of who we are, because of the frailty of our faith, because of how weak we are, because of how much struggle we have trusting, Our God always marries two things together, word and sign, word and sign. Our God never leaves his word without a sign. And that sign comes to us because it comes to our senses. Because we're whole-bodied people. We have eyes, we have noses, we have mouths, we have ears. And so what God does is he always attests to his word with signs. So if you go back to Luke chapter 2, this is what he does for the shepherds as well. This is done for the shepherds. Look at verse 12. This, the sign for you. Notice the language, church. Every single time the angel speaks to the shepherds, he says, for you, for you, for you, to you. This is to you. This is for you. This is a gift for you. This is a message for you. It's for you. And now he says this in verse 12. This, the sign for you, you see. For you. We're attaching to the word incarnate a sign for you. You see the church, church, listen, for these shady shepherds who couldn't even be themselves trusted with any signs that they could give, God gives a sign to these shady shepherds. This is the way our God has always worked. He attached a sign to his covenant with Noah, the rainbow. He attached a sign to his covenant with Abraham, circumcision. On and on and on and on throughout the Scriptures, signs are visible seals of God's promises that are suited to our weakness. Signs that are suited to our frailty. And signs that are suited to our faith needs. And you'll notice what the sign is for the shepherd. And it's mentioned three times in our passage. The Holy Spirit never stutters, the Holy Spirit never over repeats Himself, ever. So when we see this, it's important for us. Verse seven She gave birth to her firstborn son, wrapped him in cloths, and laid him in a manger. Verse 12. This is the sign for you. You will find the baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. Verse 16, So they went in a hurry and found their way to Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in the manger. You see, three times Luke highlights for us that is the manger is where Jesus is and the manger is the sign for the shepherds attesting to the word that had been given to them. Why a manger? Why a feeding trough? Listen to me, church, listen. Have you ever asked yourself that question? Why in the providential purposes of God, of all the places where the baby Jesus could be laid, why a manger? Why a feeding trough? Because that's where shepherds would would find Him. That's where shepherds would be welcome. This is all about suitability for shepherds. This is all about access for shepherds. What is more suitable for a caretaker of animals than to have the gift placed for them in a feeding trough that was accessible to them. If Jesus had been born in the temple and laid there, there would be no access for the shepherds. They couldn't get in the door of the temple, these shady guys. If Jesus is born in a palace and laid in a royal crib, you think these stinky shepherds are going to get access to him? No way. But but baby Jesus is placed in a manger because caretakers of animals can find their way there. Caretakers of animals can have access to a manger, you see. Now I want you to see this. The whole hand of providence Moves the political wheel of history. Verse 1. Now it happened that in those days a decree went out from Caesar Augustus for a census to be taken of the inhabited earth. Now it happened that the whole world moved at Caesar's whim. Verse 6. Now it happened while they were there in Bethlehem that she gave birth. The wheel of history moves, the wheel of prophecy moves. All of this big political machine decree moves so that a faceless, nameless couple can get to Bethlehem so a virgin-conceived baby could be born according to ancient prophecy. So there could be no room in the guest room so that a baby could be in a manger. Why? Why all of this? Why does the wheel of history move? Why does the wheel of prophecy move? Why are the angels sent? Why is Jesus born in a manger? All of it because God loves some shady shepherds. That's it. All of it because the divine love loves these shepherds so much that he will move history, he will move Providence, He will move prophecy. He will send angels. In other words, he will move heaven and he will move earth. Just so the shepherds can have a Savior. That's your God. That's your God. The God who moves heaven and the God who moves earth to get his Savior to his people in an accessible place so that when he tells them he will be there, they will be able to go there and find it just as it was. So what do these guys do? Well, you'll notice the need for the sign, right? You'll notice the need. They leave the lambs in haste to go see the lamb in the manger. Verse 15. And it happened that when the angels had gone away from them into heaven, the shepherds began saying to one another, watch this, let us go to Bethlehem then and see. The sign is for seeing. The Word is for believing. And they come together, you see. Sight with the sign, faith with the Word, and they come together. Look at verse 17. And when they had seen this. Verse 20. For all that they had heard and seen. You see what God does? He comes to the shepherds and He makes a promise to them i got a gift for you, a Savior who's born. He's Christ the Lord. I've put him in a place that's accessible for you, shepherds, where you'll be able to get to him. And I've attached a sign, and that sign is that you will find him in a manger, ready and waiting for you. So what do they do? Verse 15, let us go. Let us go and see this thing. And what happens is a second dawn of redeeming grace breaks in. And that second dawn of redeeming grace is in verses 16 and 17 when it says, so they went in a hurry and found their way to Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in the manger was exactly as God told them, exactly as the angels told them. And when they had seen this, They made known the statement which had been told to them about this child. You see, they told everybody in the room, hey, God told us this on a mountain through angels. We came here and it's exactly as God said it was. And what did it lead to in verse 18? Look at this. It led to marvel. It led to wonder. And they all who heard it marveled were lost in wonder and the shepherds what happened to them well they went back glorifying and praising god for all they had seen and heard just as it had been told them you see their lives after meeting the savior a new dawn broke into their lives a dawn of joy a dawn of praising god because god had made himself accessible to them. And I want to close with this, church. You say, well, is God still making Himself available to us? Is God still speaking to us and attaching a sign to it for His people, so that even we today can find our Savior accessible to us? And the answer to that is yes. When the Word of God is rightly proclaimed, you hear the voice of Jesus. And the sign that is attached to confirm the Word when we have a hard time believing the good news with our faith. Guess what Bethlehem means. Bethlehem house of bread the sign that has been given to us every sunday to confirm the word of god preached is that we come to bathe lahem every sunday when we come and partake of this bread and pass the peace to one another through this loaf that we share together Christ is confirming to you these words. John Mink, for you. Nathan Burr, for you. Jorvik, for you. Stephanie, for you. Pastor Nate, for you. When you come to the table today, Jesus is saying to you, a savior for you. Take and eat the sign. That strengthens your faith. Come to bathe, Lahem. Amen. Amen. Pastor. Nick.